I can't help but think of how many artists over the centuries have sung those songs, but yet not know the Lord Jesus Christ. To actually have the gospel on their lips and sing and perform those songs and yet die in their sins and be separated from God forever and to be haunted with the memory of the gospel being on their lips. I'm just so thankful that the Lord has changed my heart and has changed many of your hearts that we can know the creator as we worship him. I want to read a little treatise from a dear friend of mine. He actually was a roommate in college. He's now an evangelist and author, and he wrote this treatise uh, called From a Wooden Trough to a Wooden Cross. And then I have some thoughts about it afterwards. So please listen as I read. The night was dark. The times were desperate. An oppressive government was calling for a universal tax, and a young teenage girl was well advanced in her crisis pregnancy. Under these desperate conditions, Joseph and Mary traveled by foot and donkey over a hundred miles south to Bethlehem, but found no room at the inn. The only place to lodge and deliver this child was a dark, dank stable, a disheveled pen for animals and beasts of burden. It was against this most unlikely backdrop that divinity invades poverty. When God came down to earth, he came down in the humblest fashion. He came down in the roughest manner. And he came into a place of conflict, certainly not becoming of a king. He traded his kingly robes for rough swaddling clothes. He traded his divine prerogatives for a humble wooden trough and the aromas of royalty for the rough smells of livestock and manure. The Savior of the world was born in a place many parents wouldn't even let their kids play for fear of infection or injury. What a stark contrast we find in the Christmas story of mother and mild, tender and our mother and child, tender and mild. At the wooden manger and the mother and the son at the wooden cross just 33 years later. Round young virgin and sleep in heavenly peace transition from blinding light to a devastating darkness at Golgotha's hill. At the cross, the unique calling of Mary and the depth of her heartbreak is unsurpassed. The one she bore now bears the burden of her own sin and that of the whole world as she watched his bloodied body hang limply on the tree of death. She who once delivered him was now being delivered by him. The fruit of her womb now becomes the first fruits of all creation. One of my favorite modern Christmas songs sums it up this way. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would someday walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. At the cross, we watch the first and only death necessary to unite a son and mother under the same father. How significant that there the God-man hangs as mediator between his heavenly father and his earthly mother. Mary's eldest heir died to make her a joint heir with Christ. Because the son dies, the mother lives to become a daughter of the father who sent the son to be the savior. It is at the cross where motherly love 
can only watch helplessly as divine love takes action. The death of her firstborn son gave rise to another son born spiritually out of that same death. At the birth of Jesus, Mary beheld her son. At his death, Jesus said, Woman, behold thy son, and honored her with the gift of another son in his faithful disciple John to take care of her. Simon's prophetic words to Mary at the temple, Yea, a sword shall pierce thy soul, connects the rough wooden trough to the rugged wooden cross. The meaning of Christmas, the reason he came, was to give that we might live. For God so loved the world that he gave, John 3.16. We give gifts at Christmas because he gave to us the ultimate gift. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let the earth receive her king. He gave, we receive, and joy abounds. Many of our sacred Advent carols connect the wooden trough to the wooden cross and even the empty tomb. Mild he lays his glory by, born that men no more may die, born to save the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. On this international holiday we call Christmas, as we sit around the tree aglow with shining ornaments, let us call to mind the ornaments or fruit of two other trees. Many years ago, an unknown carpenter shaped a small cattle trough from a tree. Just a few decades later, an unknown Roman soldier shaped a deadly cross from another tree. And Jesus of Nazareth occupied both and changed the world forever. There shall the child lie in a stall, this child who shall redeem us all. How great our joy, great our joy, 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 joy. Merry Christmas. As I studied Matthew, I came up with something new, and I've studied the Christmas story many, many times as I'm 51 now, so probably hundreds of times I've read through the Christmas story and as I was studying that and also reading the book that we all got at church, uh, Dawn of Redeeming Grace by Sinclair Ferguson, something really stood out to me. And that was the response of three different groups to the baby Jesus. You have the Magi, who are Gentiles, who don't have the word of God, but somehow, maybe through the influence of Daniel's early writings in Babylon, and also because of the star, and God's sovereign providential plan, you have these Gentile astrologers come to find this baby to worship him. They have very little light or knowledge, and yet they are coming to worship the baby Jesus, and they're bringing incredible gifts that represent amazing things. The deity and kingship of Christ, which was gold. Frankincense, which is his life of sacrifice on our behalf. And then myrrh, which is what his body was going to be wrapped in after his death. And these men come to worship. Herod finds out that they have come. This is two years later, by the way. It's not a part of the nativity scene as we remember. Okay? Roughly about two years later. And Herod finds out that these men have come. He learns that there's a, a king that has been born, the king of the Jews. So he puts together a meeting and he brings the chief priests to come. And these are men that know the scriptures. 
mostly probably had the whole Old Testament memorized. So they had an incredible light and knowledge of the truth. And so you have the Magi, you have King Herod, and you have the chief priests gathered together. And Herod says, where is this baby to be born? And the chief priests say, in Bethlehem, in the city of David. That's where the Messiah is to be born. And right there we have three responses that occur from that meeting. You have the Magi. They go and they worship. They come to, the, to Joseph and Mary. They find him because they follow the star and they're even excited about seeing the star again. And they come and they worship. They pay homage. These are wealthy, wise men giving of themselves to a baby in worship. What about the chief priests? The ones that knew the scriptures well. What did they do? They do nothing. They don't even go and look. Bethlehem wasn't very far from Jerusalem. They are indifferent. And then you have Herod, who absolutely wants to go see this baby because he wants to kill him. Outright, outright rejection. And those three responses are probably representative of, of you in this room. Many of you, you've had your hearts changed and you're like the Magi. You believe Jesus to be the Savior. You've given him your life. You're worshiping him tonight. But maybe some of you have grown up in the church and you know the Bible well, and yet your hearts are far from God. You're indifferent to the truth. You know it's the truth, but you're indifferent and your heart is hard. And then maybe there's some in this room like Herod that just are outright rejecting Christ. My prayer is tonight that you would not reject the only Savior, the only hope that we have. The baby that grew up and lived 33 years without ever sinning once. He lived a perfect holy life. And then he went to the cross and died for sinners, you and me. And he took his father's wrath. And then three days later, he proved it all to be true by rising from the dead. He is calling you. And we who love the Lord are calling you, turn to Jesus if you don't know the Lord and come and worship him as we are worshiping him tonight like the Magi. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for tying in and understanding, we who are here that know the scriptures, understanding that the baby in the manger came to die ultimately. Thank you, Lord, that you have been our sufficient substitute, that you were fully God and yet fully man, and you took our place. And I pray for all those in this room that are either indifferent, who have hard hearts towards you, or outright rejecting you, that you would soften their hearts and draw them, that they might turn from their sins and become true worshipers of you. And Lord, for the rest of us, may we be so thankful, so overjoyed because of you sending your Son to be our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.